One of the hallmarks of Star Wars is, of course, the music by John Williams. In today's episode, we're skipping all the way to the end of the film to discuss the featured end credit music and what it says about each of the Skywalker Saga films. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are talking somehow, maybe, all about music in Star Wars. Yes. So excited. We've been wanting to do this episode for a while because, actually, a listener, Colton, if you're listening, you suggested this about a year and a half ago. We added it to a list. And we were like, we need to do this. But like Caitlin mentioned, sort of, she sort of said it, sort of didn't. We have talked about before that we have sort of small anxiety about talking about music because we're not music scholars. We are not musically inclined. So talking about it kind of makes us a little stressed. But that doesn't change the fact that music is such a huge, crucial part of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. And we always want to talk about it because there are things that we notice we want to talk about. So we've decided to approach it from a little bit of a different angle by in this episode, we are just examining the end credit scenes and the musical credits that exist around it, the suites that are played by John Williams. And we're going to be talking about what it says about the film, the themes that are present, how it makes us feel And we're just going to talk about that. We're going to go by each Skywalker Saga movie, you know, prequels, classic trilogy, sequels, the whole deal. And I'm really excited. You know, Caitlin and I are entering a very, we're we're recording this on Saturday, February 25th. We're entering a very busy Star Wars week for both Caitlin and I, specifically around The Mandalorian and The Bad Batch. But particularly, I had a really good time going through in this exercise of uh, listening to only the end credits scores and the music, not watching the whole film, but just fast forwarding to the very end. And it was a really fun exercise, made me a little emotional and also hyped me up in a lot of ways. So Caitlin, what was your experience and what do you think? Yeah, I thought this was a really fun exercise and I'm so glad Colton had this idea to go through the end credit music. And I'm like, was this really only a year and a half ago that he suggested this? I feel like we've been thinking about doing this episode for a long time, actually. But this feels like such a nice way to kind of dip our toes into starting to talk about (laughs) music a little bit more in depth on the show. And this really... I really like this episode because it feels like the complete opposite of like our crawl episode, you know, we're in the very beginning and now we're here at the very end. Um, If you're a new listener, we did an episode years ago now at this point where we went through um, and kind of dissected all of the crawls for all of the, for all the Star Wars films, what other film has a crawl. Um, And we always joke on the show that it's one of our like least downloaded episodes. Um, But yeah, this, this kind of reminded me of that episode in a weird way of kind of going, you know, through all of the films in this like very specific thing, right? Like looking at the crawls and kind of dissecting it from like a literary perspective, or I guess like you would annotate a book. Um, And now kind of coming here to the end with all of the end suites and all of the themes that are featured for each of the the Skywalker saga films. Um, So I'm really excited to be going through this. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun conversation. And yeah, like you said, kind of going through all of the credits, like skipping all the way to the end 
what I thought was funny about this exercise is that I got to see where like every time we would pull up the film on Disney Plus, right, it would kind of be in a different place. And I think it was kind of funny to see where I had kind of last popped into all of these films. Me too. Whether it was Me for too. an episode or just for fun <laughs> or something like that. Some of them it was like such a weird spot in the film that I guess I had needed to look up the scene or something like that. But yeah, I think before we start, we should preface by saying that uh, we are going off of what is included in the Disney Plus editions, if you will, of the films. I know there are a lot of differences between certain editions of the films, especially when we're talking about the original trilogy, what has come out on, you know, CD, vinyl, all that good stuff. But we will be talking explicitly about what is up on Disney Plus right now. Yeah, absolutely. Caitlin, what's our experience with end credits? I feel like we've talked about this on the show before, but... We should probably share a little bit more about when we used to watch yeah. Star Wars together when we were younger. About we used to, uh, Charlotte and I are very much, you stay through the credits kind of people. And this, yeah. I guess, habit really did start with Star Wars. And when we would marathon it, we didn't consider, we, <laughs> we didn't consider the movie complete until you watched all the way through the end credits. Therefore, the marathon was not complete until you watched all of the credits for all of the movies. <laughs> so that was always exactly. a factor in the friend time. It was like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it all. <laughs> but <laughs> at the end of all the films... When you get to Return of the Jedi, you're like, <laughs> it's a long weekend. <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know, at the end of, you know, the original saga, it always had the call THX if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. And when we would marathon Star Wars over the weekend, we would basically call THX at the end of every film, give a little review, and be like, you know, we're starting Attack of the Clones. Talk to you in three hours. And we'd call them back at the end of Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, A New Home, so on and so forth, and basically give our thoughts on the movie. <laughs> I know we've we've mentioned that before on the show, but I just want to keep mentioning it until there's someone who worked no, at THX who can verify <laughs> <laughs> this actually went somewhere. <laughs> so, I mean, how funny would that be, Caitlin, if someone was like, I don't know, oh, I remember those two girls who would call in like a giggle fit <laughs> at like 2 a.m. on a Friday in yeah. 2006 you know what I mean it was never during regular business hours so of course no one answered which of course was also part of our plan because we didn't actually want to yeah talk god to forbid anyone. someone answered right? <laughs> <laughs> it would have hung up yeah. But, yeah that was very much a huge part of what we would do I guess it was like our first podcast in a lot of ways but yeah we would call and leave messages on the THX hotline after every film so that's that's the people we were yeah. yeah. Honestly, people we are. People, I think I would. True. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. People we are. So, Okay. So before we dive into our thoughts about each end credit score, um, Caitlin, you included this quote. Do you want to read it? Yeah. So this quote is from George Lucas. Great place to start. And Always. Right. This is something I think a lot of fans of Star Wars know and talk about, but I think it's helpful to start off this episode with this quote from George where he says, the Star Wars films are basically silent movies and they're designed as silent movies. Therefore, the music has a very large role in carrying the story more than it would in a normal movie. And this is from a featurette from Attack of the Clones, actually, when they were talking about Across the Stars and some of the other themes uh, for Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Okay. So in part one, we're going to be discussing the second trilogy 
or the prequels, the prequels, as it's more commonly known. In part two, we're going to be talking all about the original trilogy. And in part three, we're going to be talking about the sequels. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Okay, so welcome to part one, where we're discussing the second trilogy, or the prequels, <laughs> as it's more commonly known. We're going to start right in the beginning with The Phantom Menace. The themes heard in the end credits of The Phantom Menace are the end credit suite, Duel of the Fates, Anakin's theme, and then Darth Vader's breathing at the very end. It's the only end credit that includes something other than music, basically. And Caitlin, what were your emotions, your feelings when you listened to this? This is such a good one. I got to say, going through all of these, the prequels are probably my favorites of the the credits, of Me what too. we see in the credits. And The Phantom Menace might be my favorite one. Honestly, I think it's just so good with Vader breathing at the end. And I try to imagine seeing this film in 1999 and spotting all of these foreshadowing bits, something like this would have been so fun. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, it's truly almost like a post-credit scene in a lot of ways of hearing the end. Can you imagine, you know, talking to your friends after you've seen The Phantom Menace and it would be like a check of who actually stayed through to the end to be like, did you hear Vader? breathing so true that's so true I, th- yeah. I think it's so cool um and i think that this arrangement uh this order right if that's something we're going to be talking about throughout the saga of you know not really counting the end credits we hear but duel of the fates anakin's theme and then darth vader's breathing um i was reminded of uh dave filoni's duel of the fates speech from the mandalorian gallery where he's talking about Duel of the Fates specifically. And he said that, you know, what's at stake is how Anakin is going to turn out. And this is actually the quote. What's at stake is how Anakin is going to turn out. Depending on how this fight goes, Anakin's life is going to be dramatically different. And the end credits tell us the resolution of this Duel of the Fate, of Anakin's fate. You know, we go through Duel of the Fates, and then we have his theme, and then it ends with Darth Vader's breathing. That's where we're going. Uh, Like, the resolution of it is just, it's so great, I think. Also, not to mention Anakin's theme, David W. Collins has done an amazing job of describing how important and varied Anakin's theme is. It's not used a ton, right, in Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith that was really composed for The Phantom Menace and is used almost like only in The Phantom Menace. It's not exclusive to The Phantom Menace, but it's not really revisited a ton after this movie. And there's so many interesting things that happen in it. It's an iteration of the Force theme. It's an iteration of the Imperial March leader or Darth Vader's theme, as John Williams has called it. And it, if you, you're so right. If you put the Duel of the Fates and Anakin's themes and Darth Vader's breathing all in order, it's just such a brilliant order because you're so right. That's exactly what the sequential order of the storytelling is. Going back to the original quote about Star Wars being a silent film, these three pieces of this end end credits tell the whole story and is so heavily laden with foreshadowing. Um, I think it's worth it to also talk a little bit more about Duel of the Fates. I think it's probably, Duel of the Fates has to be the most popular well, Star Wars theme at these, it, maybe in Imperial Marches, no, but I, was, I do feel like. But when I was, I went on Spotify and on John Williams, you know, like top five on Spotify, the Duel of the Fates is number three. It's the first Star Wars song. It's yeah. Duel of the Fates in his top, on Spotify, his top five on Spotify. Yeah. And who can forget when it went number one on uh, Total Request Live in 1998. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
I feel like uh, I feel like we don't really talk enough about Duel of the Fates and digging into this. I have always I had always known that the parts that were sung were Sanskrit translation of a poem. So it's a San- Sanskrit translation of a Celtic poem. And in English, the text reads, under the tongue, root a fight most dread, another ranging behind in the head. I mean, I'm sorry. It couldn't be more explicit about if we want to go back to that Dave Filoni quote of what's at stake is how Anakin's going to turn out. Yeah. Under the tongue, there is a rooted a fight most dreadful. And another one is raging behind in the head. So it's psychological, it's metaphorical, it's physical, it's all these things all come all coming down to the duel of the fates. I watched a couple of YouTube videos too and ta- that talk about how absolutely chaotic duel of the fates can be when you're listening to it. It's it really goes so hard, <laughs> right? <laughs> and again, this is this goes into my like anxiety about talking about musical themes. I don't really know the proper terminology for a lot of this thing, the, these things, but there's a part where, you know, it, it goes so fast. It's very intense. And then it also feels sort of when you're listening to it, sort of unbalanced and then it rebalances and then it unbalanced. You get this uncertainty about listening to it that I think really plays into what's happening in the Phantom Menace as a whole. It's great. It's a brilliant piece and no wonder it stood the test of time. Yeah, truly. It is. You kind of can't top Duel of the Fates in a lot of ways. I think especially going through all of these films and hearing the different, you know, kind of going through the different, you know, like Battle of the Heroes, Duel of the Fates, you know, even like the Imperial March, March of the Resistance, the Rebel Fanfare, like all of it. There's something about Duel of the Fates that just stands out so much. Uh, I think, it, you know, there's a reason that it it is in the the top five of John Williams's Spotify. <laughs> It really does kind of set the precedent, I think, for the prequel trilogy, for the second trilogy, and where it's going, and the the chaotic political tones of that entire trilogy. I think you really can kind of feel it in Duel of the Fates. Yeah. Just one more final thing about Anakin's theme. Um, the theme itself is pretty innocent and playful and childish, mm-hmm. and childish in a positive sense, not in a negative sense. But then... It, has darker turns that sort of point towards inevitable doom. And you included this this quote here from George Lucas, who is is he describing Duel of the Fates here? Yeah, he's talking about the music. Uh, yeah. yeah, for Duel of the Fates. Yeah, so George George Lucas called Duel of the Fates the inevitable fate of doom, and I feel that in both Duel of the Fates and Anakin's theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think. Like you said, this could be one of your favorites in terms of the end credits. This one feels so unique and just really well done, like really well done. I bet it must have felt really good for John Williams to like be back scoring and end <laughs> credits again and getting to choose these basically two themes. And I also wonder whose choice it was to include the Darth Vader's breathing, right. if it was the sound department's choice or George Lucas's choice himself. Um I want to hear more about that, honestly. Yeah, I think I I feel like John Williams probably really liked that surprise of Anakin as a child. You know what I mean? And that juxtaposition of his theme with the Darth Vader breathing. It's just it really is chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Attack of the Clones. 
So Attack of the Clones is a very short list in the end credits here. It's the end credit suite, and then it is Across the Stars, the full version. So what did you think of the Attack of the Clones end credits? So I've always loved this because it is basically the only theme featured besides the end credit suite. Everything that we know when it fades to black and we get the orange font, everything after that is only at- across the stars. But I do think it's important to know that the basically the last 10 or so minutes of Attack of the Clones is wordless and is so musical as we look over into the new clone army that was just created and then also Anakin and Padme's wedding. So then when we move on into the end credits, we get the end credits suite and then also uh, across the stars. And I think I've always liked it because I'm a, a romance fan, but I do feel like it's so tragic. Every time I listen to it across the stars, I think when I was younger, I would think about it as only romantic and not really want to let my brain go to the part of tragedy. But I do think it is such a sad, tragic theme that you can't help feel like when you end the the movie with this long concert suite of uh, Across the Stars that you are just like in it in the Phantom Menace's end credits, you're really wading into some troublesome waters with this romantic pair and that their romance is going to end up inevitably being tragic, but they've crossed a line and they can't go back. I, I feel like it's very sad. So when I listen to it, even when it ends, I think it ends on such a somber, sad note It's so beautiful, but it is pretty unique in terms of all nine films that this is the only one that includes just one major theme. Yeah, it definitely stands out. And I think there's something, you know, about taking the time to listen to the full version of Across the Stars, because usually, I, you know, I'm listening to it in the film. But to have the full version of it here in the end credits, it does kind of take you through a a bit of a story in a lot of ways. And there's a part of it too that feels a bit more, um, I don't know, like action heavy, I guess would be the way that I would describe it before it kind of segues back into, you know, that like the very like somber side of that love theme. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I do think it stands out um, in the entire lineup. Uh, there were a couple of quotes about from John Williams and George about the Across the Stars suite that I thought was really great to include. George said about it, this is the first time we've done a full out love story. So I wanted the music to be very emotional and very poetic and something very strong to help push the idea of a love story. But I also just wanted something very beautiful. There's also in this kind of featurette about Across the Stars or rather about the music and Attack of the Clones, but this part of part this part about Across the Stars from John Williams that I think is really great because I think it kind of goes back to George's quote earlier about being a silent film, about Star Wars being a silent film. And John says, you know, nowadays we can be more explicit in romantic moments and romantic films. Uh, But in earlier decades, all of that had to be imagined. So the task and opportunity for the musician would be to provide the erotic aspects that couldn't be provided in the film. And I think George had that on his mind when he was discussing Across the Stars uh, with, with John Williams. And I think Across the Stars really does feel like that. It really is the most true love theme I think we have in Star Wars. You know, uh, Hansel and the Princess is, of course, that, but... 
I don't want to say it doesn't compare to Across the Stars, but the tones are so different. And like you were talking about, Charlotte, Across the Stars is just so tragic and so kind of filled with longing, I would say, for these two people that want to be together and absolutely can't. I think they go Across the Stars and Attack of the Clones, you know, like I just can't not think of the wedding and then also um, the posters with Anakin and Padme for Attack of the Clones. That's kind of what my mind goes to first every time I hear this. Yeah, me too. I think I definitely feel the erotic aspects Mm -hmm. of Across the Stars, what John Williams is referring to and what I guess George and him discussed. I think that in a lot of ways, I am the biggest Anakin and Padme fan, okay? I just need to get this out here, okay? Okay. In a lot of ways, I feel like the music plays a big part in the chemistry between those two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it really does its job is what I'm saying. Like, it it really does its job so, so well. Yeah. Well, if, you know, George and and that – quote about the silent film like I said earlier was taken from the feature ad on on Attack of the Clones with the music so if they're really thinking about Attack of the Clones as this kind of film a space opera film from the past but set in the future it makes sense that like John said John Williams said the task is for the musician to provide the erotic aspects that aren't in the films, the things that had to be imagined before. And I think Across the Stars does that so beautifully. Definitely. I think it's – sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say also it's worth mentioning that the oboe plays a big role in Across the Stars. And uh, Charlotte played the oboe in middle school. Yes, I did. And I actually – it did play a part in me really liking Attack of the Clones back then. <laughs> I, of course. How could it not? Yeah. I think the oboe is such an underrated instrument, um, especially in terms of like melody. So, yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. I do think that <laughs> revisiting my oboe era is like <laughs> not, <laughs> but I still think that like, I don't know. I think it, it was, it's very cool that the oboe is prominently featured on this one yeah the yeah I I played the bassoon in middle school so see I wasn't gonna throw you under the no it's fine it's fine I'll throw myself under the bus I I forgot to tell you this actually but it was so funny it came up the other day um I go to trivia every week and it's always like a fun fact about me is that I played the bassoon (laughs) in middle school and it had come up in some trivia question or something like that about instruments and we were all talking about what we played and I was like, I don't think anyone here is going to guess what I played in middle school. And this guy who I've never met before, he goes, what, the bassoon? (laughs) It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, Yeah. it was the bassoon. Okay, well, you got on the first try. (laughs) All right, you took A little bit of the fun out of the game, but okay. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Charlotte and I were in band class together in sixth grade, and the oboes and the bassoons sat together. I say bassoons. It was just me. I was the only bassoon player. But we sat in the same (laughs) row because we were the the double reed instruments. Mm -hmm. And anyway, John Williams loves a bassoon too, so I feel like... I feel like this was all meant to be, truly. He actually does love a bassoon. He He's talked about it before in concerts. He has bassoon <laughs> he also albums. Loves the oboe too. He has bassoon albums. Yes. Yeah. Bassoon yes. quartets. I mean, I think that goes with his jazzy mm-hmm. vibes, um, his interest in jazz. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's about us. Uh, but 
Attack of the Clones and Across the Stars. It's I really do like how they made the choice to just be across the stars, you know, that it wasn't anything else. Uh, I think that was I think that was a really bold choice uh, when it comes to these to these films. They could have added the Trade Federation theme, something Mm -hmm. that we heard before, just minutes before. Right. Like I said, when they're overseeing the new clone army. But no, it's only across the stars. You're supposed to leave the theater. I mean, this is a big thing about going through this exercise is what emotions are we leaving the theater with yeah. when we sit through the credits or we get a gl- if we don't sit through the credits get a glimpse of what changes after that you know end credit suite that we hear as we roll into the credits what is that feeling that w- is being expressed and this is oof darker middle chapter yeah i think that's a really good point actually in thinking about the experience of leaving the theater with this song what are people talking about as they're exiting the theater because that i feel like that conversation might be different now right in the era of streaming but it that certainly would have been something they were talking about uh when they were making attack of the clones and that we end on the wedding and then this is uh you know uh across the stars is what is playing. It really is. I can see the audience being like, oh, okay, like this is how it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like we're setting up the ball for uh, episode three, essentially. Like all the pieces are coming together now for Anakin's fall. Definitely. Okay, let's talk about Anakin's fall. So Revenge of the Sith is – the to me one of the more interesting ones too because it's so much about context and release time and everything about it because for me um revenge of the sith i've talked about this a hundred thousand times but seeing revenge of the sith in the theater is the reason why we have the podcast like it's it's a big deal um and i feel like when you listen to the end credit theme and the suite for revenge of the sith so many emotions swirl together and they're all the emotions that I think I would define Star Wars as giving me. Unlike I think the Attack of the Clones one, which just gives me a romantic, sad feeling, like a tragic feeling. I feel like Revenge of the Sith, I leave feeling hopeful, sad, like filled with honor, filled with remorse. I feel like powerful. I'm filled with gratitude. Like, And I feel like all of those are what John Williams packed into this. So I should probably say that Revenge of the Sith has the end credit suite, Princess Leia's theme, Battle of the Heroes, the Force theme, and the end credit reprise. One thing I've always loved about the Revenge of the Sith end credits is the fact that John Williams went through these end credits and wanted to honor the six films that he scored when he thought this was going to be the last one that he scored of Star Wars. So inside of it, it includes... I believe, and someone can check me on this, I believe the first iteration of the concert suite of Princess Leia's theme, which is just so unbelievably gorgeous. And I think that was that was played at, as the title suggests, at many concerts where John Williams would play Princess Leia's theme, but never had it been included in its entirety in Revenge of the Sith or in a Star Wars movie until Revenge of the Sith. But what we get here are just sort of like playing the hits of <laughs> of of the prequels and then also looking forward to in the timeline to a new hope and so we get basically Luke's theme or the force theme is interwoven between the end credit suite and the end credit like the force theme they're one and the same then we get princess leia's theme battle of the heroes so battle of the heroes obviously is looking back on 
how intense of a battle that was between brothers, between father and son, the Obi-Wan and Anakin of it all. And then we also are looking forward to the hopefulness that we get at the end of Revenge of the Sith with those two babies, with Leia and Luke being born and hope being restored in the galaxy, even though it leaves on such a sad, sad note. It's just always been a favorite of mine because, like I said, it really is of its time where this was John Williams saying farewell. And I think this is it, it'll be interesting when we get to the rise of Skywalker to talk about these two things in conjunction, because in a lot of ways, when he got to the rise of Skywalker, I'm sure he was like, well, I already did my swan song basically in revenge of the Sith. So how do I make that different? Yeah. And we'll talk about that when we get there. But I do love both of these. Uh, I do love this end credit theme. Yeah, I think that Revenge of the Sith and The Rise of Skywalker both have that context of being the quote-unquote last. That was clearly on John Williams's mind. One thing that I think I've been thinking a lot about in regards to The Revenge of the Sith is the order of the songs. You know, this thinking about The Phantom Menace, I think the order makes a lot of sense and I'm really, I guess, kind of tickled by the order of the songs in The Phantom Menace. But I think that The Revenge of the Sith one is really interesting to go from, uh, you know, the end credit suite and then Princess Leia's theme into Battle of the Heroes. Almost, I would almost expect those to kind of be switched in a lot of ways, like the end credit suite and then Battle of the Heroes, what we just went through, and then Princess Leia's theme of here's what's coming next. So I think that this order was was really interesting and I would love to know, I guess, kind of the thought process behind it because I still think it it makes sense because that's where the film itself actually ends with Luke and Leia, the new hope and all of that. And you're right in that if this is a bit of a swan song to Star Wars, like you said, John Williams saying goodbye, then he's kind of doing you know, this kind of major theme, probably one of the most well-known themes from the original trilogy of Princess Leia's theme, and then something that kind of really denotes this last film itself and also kind of everything, the climax of the prequel trilogy of Battle of the Heroes. And then, of course, ending it on the Force theme and the end credit reprise itself. Um, you know, the Force theme is what all of this is ultimately about. So it makes sense to kind of put it at the very end. But I really like uh, the Revenge of the Sith and credits. I like how it is, and I think you kind of said this, a lot of different themes, but it's not jam-packed. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit with the sequel trilogy, how there's a lot going on in the sequel trilogy and credits. So much. But Revenge of the Sith is kind of, it's just full enough, I think, when we're talking about different pieces being included in the end credits. This is one thing that I wish I was better about with the music in Star Wars is tracking and understanding how many different versions of things there are when things were re-recorded, you know, how often they're re-recorded, what is a piece used in the film. We can't all be David W. Collins. I know, I know, but I want to be. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you listen to him talk and you're like, yeah, okay. I can be like that. I can do that. I'm absorbing this. I, Osmosis is I'm happening. A I'm a sponge. Yeah. <laughs> and then you turn off his the episode and you're like, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think that was something. And I'll talk about this as we move into the original trilogy, because I think what I was about to say really plays into the original trilogy for me personally. OK, cool. 
anything else to say about the prequels before we move into the originals? Because I think, like you mentioned at the beginning when we were talking about The Phantom Menace, I do feel like as a Star Wars fan going through these three movies, I feel like the end credit suites and themes are the strongest and like most mm-hmm. well-placed in terms of what's going on in the story. Like maybe I didn't say this enough when we were talking about Revenge of the Sith, but I do feel like it touched on what we're supposed to leave the theater with, with an understanding of hopefulness from Princess Leia's theme and, you know, touches of Luke Skywalker while also remembering what was sacrificed and how Battle of the Heroes, which again, I don't think gets talked about enough as in comparison to Duel of the Fates, but Battle of the Heroes is very similar to Duel of the Fates. But I remember even in, I think it's in the beginning documentary when George Lucas is talking to John Williams and he's like, no, this theme, Duel of the Fates, will come back in the third one when when Anakin becomes Darth Vader. So just wait, it's going to come back and it's going to reflect. And Battle of the Heroes totally does that. And I think that if we want to compare Revenge of the Sith even to uh, The Phantom Menace, I think there is a lack of ominousness, I guess, with the Revenge of the Sith end credit theme instead of hopefulness, but also an understanding and a reflection of looking back, which I think is exactly where we where we were when we were watching Revenge of the Sith in the movie theater, If if you did that. Um, in 2005. If that was you. <laughs> if you didn't, couldn't, it's okay. Couldn't I'm, be I'm me. Not... Couldn't be me, but... <laughs> it's, it's not Caitlin, but it was me. And <laughs> I do feel like we felt that for the years after when there was no new Star Wars movies too. Yeah. It's I'm, You know what I mean? I feel like we were... There's a lot of reflection happening in this Re- Revenge of the Sith end credits yeah. suite. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on to the original trilogy. <laughs> Okay, welcome to part two, where we're talking about the original trilogy, the classic trilogy, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. You know them. You love them. So starting off with A New Hope, we have the themes that are included are the end credit suite, Princess Leia's theme, and then the main title reprise and the end credit theme. And what I was going to say in the last part is that I really feel like in the original trilogy, my brain almost kind of goes on autopilot with these themes. And I just kind of find myself, it's like I can just take it in. I don't know. It's like I I don't find myself thinking when I'm listening to these all the time because I've heard them so many times. And I think going through the films like this and just listening to the music, specifically at the end while the credits were rolling, it kind of forced me to refocus back on the music itself. You know what I mean? Like I said, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, especially with the original trilogy themes, I can really kind of go on autopilot with them where my mind just goes blank. And, and I'm like just... born knowing them. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. But... This, I think A New Hope, it's, you know, from the perspective of of me in 2023, it's like, yeah, there are no other choices for the end credits here. <laughs> it's got to be, you know, <laughs> pr- basically Princess Leia's theme and the main title and the end credit theme. And I think it's they're kind of perfect choices, too, because A New Hope, in a lot of ways, is the most self-contained of all of the films because – It had to stand on its own in a lot of ways. And so the music really does highlight all of the high points of the film with with Princess Leia and the main title, you know, being so astounding. And I think in in some featurette we watched uh, where John Williams was talking about the the main title, and I forget the words he said specifically, and I'm kind of mad now, but he was talking about the trumpet, basically. And he was like, the trumpet that just 
blew everyone away. <laughs> the, the way that he described it, it was, was really kind of, um, was a little funny, but, uh, one thing I did want to kind of bring up about Princess Leia's theme, and I feel like this is a good place to talk about it in A New Hope, is I was trying to I was trying to do a little David W. Collins research on music. <laughs> it didn't get me very far. There were a lot of great blogs out there and stuff, but it was, you know, far above anything I could really understand. I'll also note that I only played the bassoon for one year, one singular year. So. Okay, I I I should note that I played the oboe for three. Okay, so. <laughs> If you're going to note that, I'm going to note mine. <laughs> I And if you're going to note that, then I'm going to know that our band director <laughs> didn't know how to play the bassoon. So Yeah, that's true. And, I know. It was not fair. And I got uh, a private I don't think tutor. he knew how to play the oboe either. That, yeah. That's very yeah. true. He was a flute guy. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. I had a private tutor for the bassoon, but then she literally went to college on a bassoon scholarship and still does play the bassoon, actually, to this day. She's like, does she's an orchestra person. Go her. That's I awesome. know, right? But then there was literally no one else in the county <laughs> who knew how to play the bassoon. <laughs> but in doing this research, I came across uh, this interesting little article that was talking about Princess Leia's theme. And it talks about how her theme is in the D major, which uh, is associated with overachievers and negotiators. And this kind of phrasing of associated with overachievers and negotiators, I was like, I've never heard of this before. But there's this series called the Signature Series, which is by this guy named Paolo Pietro Paolo. I believe he's Canadian or did this series in Canada. And he created this, this show called the Signature, Signature Series that explores the personality behind key signatures of music by personifying each of the 24 keys as a person which I thought was so interesting. And he had kind of attributed the D major theme uh, to overachievers and negotiators. And uh, that is apparently what Princess Leia's theme is in. And I don't know, I thought it was just a cool aside and kind of reminded me of a personality test, but it made me want to go through all of the Star Wars themes and especially the specific character themes and if they match up all the time uh, with what this guy Paulo had been uh, proposing with the signature series. I love that. That's so fun. Yeah. I got to check that out. I'll, I'll put the link in the, in the show notes. Yeah. That has nothing to do directly with John Williams or Star Wars, but I thought it was a cool kind of connection. And I do see Princess Leia as an overachiever and a negotiator. So yeah, <laughs> <tracks>. totally. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with you. I think there, this end theme is so hopeful. It's so classic. It's actually, I think it's not talked about enough how joyful A New Hope is as a mm -hmm. film. And I feel that in the theme at the end credit suite as well. I think it is sending me on my way, making me feel like I can conquer the world, which is why people are buying tickets. Like, we're buying tickets over and over and over again to see this movie, right? Yeah, absolutely. It is that I, I'm glad you brought up that that thought process of what people are leaving the film with, because I think this is what kept people coming back, that feeling of joy and you know, that feeling of elation. There's something really kind of so singular in A New Hope um, with that feeling. I think it feels the most pure in that feeling of elation, I would say, probably across the whole saga. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite tidbits from John Williams is talking about how when he wrote Princess Leia's theme, which I think goes down as one of the all-time greatest romantic themes ever, mm -hmm. is 
you know, the theme is for a character and he wrote it in mind thinking that Luke and Leia would be <laughs> a romantic pair. Yeah. And it is so filled with romance, that theme. When we get to Empire Strikes Back and have Han Solo and the princess, it's also a romantic theme. It sounds super similar to a Princess Leia's theme herself, but also it just feels more mature and different, which is really cool. So something to note is how often Princess Leia's theme is actually included in all of these end credit suites. <laughs> it happens frequently. In each trilogy, Princess Leia's theme is included. And as it should, she's an icon, she's a legend. But I think it's it's quite interesting because clearly it's a favorite of John Williams's. Yeah. And it honestly, every time I listen to it, if I'm listening to it in a concert setting, I'm crying. There's it's just so beautiful. Yeah. You know, thinking about these themes, I think John Williams also has a particular affection for Ray's theme as well that we'll talk about in the sequel trilogy. But I like how he thinks about these themes for our heroines and that they are so important and really do fully stand on their own. I think it's hard to say things like this, like, oh, Princess Leia's theme stands on its own when literally everything that John Williams has written and especially in Star Wars can stand on its own, right? It's just like, what is the top of the top of the top in my opinion today? You know what I mean? <laughs> because it's all just so good and so perfect and part of what makes Star Wars so everlasting is the music. And even as we've, you know, now explored anthology films and TV shows that have different composers, um, some of which go in completely new directions and some of which do kind of, I would say, something more adjacent to uh, Star Wars. I think specifically of like Rogue One as probably the most adjacent in terms of tone, I think, to John Williams. But I don't know. I just I think it's it's. I feel almost like we're dissecting and I don't want to say critiquing, but like talking about our favorites here when it's all my favorite and it's John Williams. So yeah. <laughs> totally. It's all perfect. Okay. Let's, it is all perfect. Let's <laughs> talk about Empire Strikes Back. So the themes in Empire Strikes Back are the end credit suite, Yoda's theme, but it's a really fast version. It's Set not the, it's the, the concert version. version that you listen to on, it is, on, on Spotify. The Imperial March, Hansel and the Princess, and the end credits, the Rebel Fanfare with the timpanies and all. My emotions about this are this might be the best one possible because... <laughs> I mean, you look at that list, right? I mean, yeah. that's crazy. Yoda's theme, Imperial March, Hansel and the Princess, and credits with the Rebel Fanfare. I feel like it doesn't get any better than that. I feel like it should be noted as often as possible that the Imperial March was a theme created for Empire Strikes Back, not A New Hope. So when Star Wars came back with a sequel, it, it like birthed these three incredible new themes. Number one, the Imperial March being maybe the most iconic villain march that has ever existed right and of course that's what's included here so it's hard for me to look past the fact that these are so quintessentially iconic that i don't know i feel like we're going through a wide range of emotions here when we ping pong from yoda's theme to imperial march to hansel and the princess but that's exactly what's happening to us when we're watching empire strikes back as well we're leaving the theater. You know, The Empire Strikes Back ends on a somber note. Han Solo is in carbonite. You don't even know if he's okay. Luke and Leia are united and looking off into space, but there's a lot of uncertainty that happens with it. Luke is dealing with a lot of trauma from 
learning that Darth Vader is his father and you just don't know how it's going to end up, right? So when we're listening to the end credit suite, when all of that is happening, um, having to wait three years for the next one, I do feel like hearing Yoda's theme brings us back to the whimsy and the joy of, and like the wisdom also of Empire Strikes Back. Imperial March reminds us of the intense villains and all the trauma that Luke is going to be dealing with. Hansel and the princess, it brings us back to a more tragic note when we think about the status of Han Solo and the princess right now, right? And then the rebel fanfare brings us home with feeling excited about Star Wars as this is the greatest sequel ever made maybe. (laughs) And I think, (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like we go through a lot with this and it's hard for me to be like, I don't know, to even critique it in any way because I just think it's beautiful. Yeah, it really is like the full overview of the movie. It's a Cliff Notes in musical style of the film. It kind of in some ways, and maybe this is only making sense in my brain, it kind of feels like Revenge of the Sith and credits where it is like Revenge of the Sith was it felt like an overview of kind of the whole saga in a lot of ways. And then Empire Strikes Back is a little smaller scale, but like a complete overview of the high points or the main, not high points, but the main things happening in Empire Strikes Back. Because you're right, you think about it, like the introduction of the Imperial March, I mean, how more much more iconic does it get than the Imperial March? Like truly. Right. True. I think you said it's like the most iconic villain march. And I agree. I think only um, compared really to like the Jaws theme of that. Like, I was just going to say terror, which is also John Williams. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but one's a march and one is not. That's yeah. that's the distinction here. Yeah. I always think about how J- John Williams loves writing marches. Yeah. He's, I think he said before that he could write a march in his sleep. <laughs> and I think somehow the Imperial March is his best one. It's. It's really good. <laughs> I'm over here, you know, in my my little apartment. Like, yeah, the Imperial March. It's really good. <laughs> uh, it's fully critics over here. <laughs> Scholars. Scholars. <laughs> I really liked it. Uh, yeah. Let me draw this connection to Jaws. <laughs> but, right, like it truly doesn't get more iconic than the Imperial March. And, of course, the introduction of Yoda. Again, thinking of what people are coming out of the film thinking about. Yes, of course, they're thinking about um, – you know, the Imperial March, Vader and uh, Luke and that revelation, right? That's the big mic drop, obviously, from Empire Strikes Back. But, you know, the creation of Yoda and everything that comes with Yoda is huge. And then, of course, you know, like you said, Han Solo being Carbonite, uh, the full realization of the romantic relationship between Han Solo and Princess Leia, all of these these things are going to feed us into Return of the Jedi and uh, the storylines that will be tied up in the next film so it really is it really is perfect and i love um the the version of yoda's theme always surprises me but i like that it's a bit of a different uh, iteration of the theme for the end credits me too okay let's talk about return of the jedi Return of the Jedi's end credit themes are the end credit suite as usual, but it feels like a new arrangement. Honestly, I don't have any sort of confirmation about that, but it just feels a little different. feels a little brighter. Um, 
the Parade of the Ewoks and Luke and Leia's theme. And then, of course, the Rebel fanfare at the end. But Parade of the Ewoks and Luke and Leia's theme at the end of Return of the Jedi, I don't know. I feel like it's a bold choice. It's a good combo. What are your emotions? What are you thinking? I, you know, Parade of the Ewoks doesn't get enough hype, I don't think. From me personally. It doesn't. It's, it gives me such Star Tours vibes. It really does. It, it, it just places me in the line for Star Tours. And I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> but a Parade of the Ewoks in the credits feels like such a George request. And I know yes. that George requests everything, right? He's obviously, you know, the head honcho here. But I just feel like everyone was like, all right, so Force theme, Princess Leia's theme. And he was like, Parade of the Ewoks. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> And they were like, okay. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. I just, you got to love it. There's such a great whimsy in Parade of the Ewoks. And I think it's such a great choice. It <sighs> Return of the Jedi is my favorite of the original trilogy. And that whimsy is part of it. Like that is part of why I love Return of the Jedi so much is kind of everything contained within Parade of the Ewoks itself of that, that comedy, that humor, the dare to be cute with the Ewoks. There's, there's something so satisfying about Return of the Jedi. I think it's a perfect ending to this trilogy. And I kind of similar to what we were talking about with a new hope of feeling that, elation coming out of the theater I think that feeling of oh like it's a happy ending you know everyone is having a party on Endor a celebration and as we're walking out of the theater and I just I really love that choice to use Parade of the Ewoks Luke and Leia's theme is so is like you said it's a bold choice like why not go with again Princess Leia's theme Han Solo and the princess or more of like just focusing on like the force theme itself doing a whole suite with the force theme um Luke and Leia's theme is is a is a really interesting choice here but I think it also makes sense too because you know this is where we find out uh what we sorry this is where we find out that Luke and Leia are twins and everything kind of comes to a, a conclusion when it comes to the Skywalker family. And now they all have each other. And I think that the theme itself is kind of so satisfying. There's something about it that really feels for me, you know, of another time. In a lot of ways, I can't really describe it. I feel like this is where I'm kind of butting up against my ability to talk about music, specifically with Luke and Leia's theme. But there's something. I think it's a sweet romantic theme. It is that feels it, like it's from a, another time, like in the early ages of Hollywood. Yeah, honestly. but I don't even know. I mean, I I do think it feels romantic, but I, you know, in comparing it with like Across the Stars and Hansel and the Princess, I don't. I guess I would say it's the least romantic. Like, of course, of course. Like, it's not actually when I say romantic. Yeah, I, I don't know what mean you mean. Um, rom- I, I think I need to clarify just for listeners. Honestly, I don't mean there's a romance happening between <laughs> Luke and Leia. I don't mean that. I yeah. mean this theme itself is sweeping. Yeah, is sweeping. It's yeah. emotional. It's um, deep. It is conveying sort of that earlier quote from before with John Williams saying, nowadays we can be more explicit in romantic moments in films, but in earlier decades, all of that had to be imagined. This theme encapsulates a lot of those emotions. I don't necessarily mean it's a romantic relationship between Luke and Leia. Yeah. Earlier you said that, you know, John Williams originally did think that they would be the ones to get together, but there's something about this theme that 
does almost in a lot of ways contain like the darkness of their family history in it as well that I think is really poignant. And it's a theme that I kind of do want to go back and listen to more. Like I don't listen to it enough, honestly, but I think it's really good. And I think it, I think it's a, a great choice, honestly, to end the return of the Jedi and uh, credits with their theme. Well, it's in our podcast, so I, I mean, I will say that the whole thing, <laughs> not the little bit that we have at the beginning of our podcast. Totally. Sometimes, you know, I I think that Luke and Leia's theme is one of the most interesting Star Wars themes. David W. Collins always talked about this about how it's rarely used. It's used like maybe twice in Return of the Jedi and barely again until. The Last Jedi, which is why it was so special that it was included in The Last Jedi in that moment where uh, Luke and Leia are reunited there. I remember the lead up to The Last Jedi wondering if we're going to get a re, re reuse of that theme, if we'd even get that moment at all. That was so under wraps and undercover. And I'm so glad that they kept that for that. But I had a lot of anxiety about that before the movie. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember the featurette they played before the movie that featured Oh, Luke yeah. and Leia, and you just oh burst god. out crying immediately. Yeah, the the theme. I was like, oh my god, they're playing the theme. This me, I'm I'm good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that I just had a lot of anxiety about whether or not Carrie Fisher was going to have a scene with Mark Hamill ever again, and it, this was the only chance. And I just had so much stress about that. But yeah, Ryan delivered as usual. So um, anyway, I think that the theme is never really used, and it says that it, this this is the extended concert suite that he composed that John Williams composed for the end credits. So I think that's really great. I would love to see it dove into more. I think it's a brilliant intertwining of the force theme, Leia's theme, and maybe even some of those darker elements that are present and maybe like, I know this is impossible because one was written before the other, but it's similar in a lot of ways to Anakin's theme. Um, and maybe that, and maybe John Williams had that in mind when he was writing Anakin's theme as well. Um, I I don't know. It's really dark. It it really exposes to me. You feel this bond between these two people when you listen to it. That is so deep and sort of magical. Also, I get that from the theme too. And then also, you feel a lot of trauma through it. And I think it's just a really special theme. I really really like it. Yeah, I do too. All right. Is there anything else we want to talk about with the original trilogy before we move on to the sequels? No, just classic. Just like the classic trilogy. That's Star right, Wars. Let's talk about the sequels. Lots, lots to talk about with the sequels. Let's go for it. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. Welcome to part three where we're talking about the sequel trilogies and credits themes. So The Force Awakens. I was very much wondering what sort of music we were gonna get out of The Force Awakens. Caitlin, do you remember the first time we watched it and you were like, man, after the first time we watched it, you were like, oh, the music, the music was so good. And I was like, I didn't even pay a single yeah. moment's <laughs> attention to the music. I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> the Force Awakens is a very overwhelming movie when you first watched it after all those years. But obviously the second time I watched it, I paid more attention to the music. It just, I think a lot of ways that is testament to how seamless the music feels at, even after all these years it feels so a part of star wars because of course it is right mm -hmm. so the themes in the end credits of the force awakens are the end credit suite which feels like a new arrangement ray's theme 
And then I have some question marks here, but it seems an inclusion of like the Falcon theme, the, an action theme. I was thinking about when Ray and Finn are running through the town on Jakku. Um, then we get Kylo Ren's theme, the Resistance March, which is so good. And then it ends with a short, small, quiet force theme that is so beautiful. I remember tearing up in the movie theater when I heard it. So for me, when we watched this for the first time together, everything about this end credits to me is nostalgic, but also a really wide variance of new themes. And I really like how they led with like there are more new themes in this end credits suite than there are older themes, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's showcasing the new. And I remember us talking about how the March of the Resistance automatically feels like something that we know. We yeah. sort of in our bones already knew what that sounded like, that that sounded like Star Wars, that sounded like the March for the Resistance. And it's so cool that it feels similar to the Rebel fanfare, but it is its own thing. And I I just feel like uh, I love the Ray's theme is just so special. The Celeste is it the Celeste, the Celeste um, is just yeah. unbelievable. I think there is no other theme like it. I remember all this talk about how Ray's theme has touches of the Emperor's theme, which is true, and also the Force theme within it, which I think makes a lot of sense in hindsight. You know, when we think about what was revealed to us in the Rise of Skywalker, I know we all have a lot of mixed emotions about that but you can't deny those ties in Ray's theme it is so interesting and it always was quite interesting in 2015 2016 it was one of those like well that's a little mind-blowing I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's interesting and then Kylo Ren's theme of course is a great bad guy theme um but yeah I I feel like we I left the movie theater after hearing this end credit theme this end credit suite, excited about everything new and how it really respected the past. And I think that is exactly what John Williams conveyed. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think out of the sequel trilogy, The Force Awakens, end credits are probably my favorite. I I love it so much. I don't think there's, you had said this, but there really isn't anything else like Ray's theme. I do think it has probably one of the starkest transitions from Ray's theme to the Falcon action theme that we're kind of questioning here. It feels like Ray's theme just kind of ends and the other one starts almost like there's a pause yeah. between them. Whereas it feels like every other movie, there's a tie, a musical tie between them. So I will say that it, it kind of jumped out to me when I was listening to it. But I think that Ray's theme for me, Ray's theme is perfect. And to what we were talking about earlier with John Williams having a, uh, a lot of love for the Princess Leia's theme. I think he also feels that way about Ray's theme. And I feel like him and Daisy Ridley are actually a lot closer than we think they are. They talk about each other with such affection. And I'm, I could be misremembering this, but I'm pretty sure that John Williams gifted like his original draft yes. of Ray's theme you're, you're to correct. Daisy. And yeah. I feel like that's the only time I've heard about him doing something like that, of course, not to say he hasn't <laughs> with other people in the Star Wars family, but that feels really singular to me in my own knowledge of Star Wars that I think him and Daisy have like a lot of respect uh, for each other in a way that feels different than kind of how I've seen him or know him to interact with other Star Wars cast. And that's kind of more of just what I know, not 
of course, uh, speculating on his actual relationships with people. But I think that's really special, right, that he gave that piece of music, sheet music, to Daisy. And I just think that Ray's theme is so beautiful and so encapsulating of the sequel trilogy. And to your point, too, about them kind of featuring more new music here rather than old, I think is really important. And I think that The Force Awakens, I think this selection of Ray's theme, you know, on a high level, Ray's theme, Kylo's theme, and the Resistance theme, it really does kind of set up who who and what the sequel trilogy is about. It's about Ray, it's about Kylo, it's about the Resistance overcoming, you know? And I think there's there's, in a lot of ways, a nice simplicity to that and I really like it and like I said I I really love The Force Awakens and Credit Suite and I'm really glad that there is the inclusion of Kylo Ren's theme as well honestly um, because I think we could always use it more (laughs) yeah totally I think that Ray's theme feels so special and different from the rest but it also feels so Star Wars and I, I think that needed to be said yeah okay let's talk about The Last Jedi so the Last Jedi's themes. All right. I, I'm laughing because I can't believe what I'm about to say a little bit later. Okay, I just get ready. The themes are the end credit suite, Rose Tico's suite, then a quick cut to Princess Leia's theme for the in loving memory of our Princess Carrie Fisher, the Octo Island suite, then Rose's theme again, then mixed with the Octo Island, then March the Resistance. And it's a I, I just had to write this in my notes. This is an impressive suite of we- weaving themes. It like it goes in and out. And it's crazy, guys. And then <laughs> Ray's theme, then the crate themes, and then which include the TIE fighter attack. And then it ends with Ray's theme softly. So my feelings about this might shock you because we love The Last Jedi on this podcast, but I this is not my favorite. I do not think <laughs> The themes in the end credits are so chaotic to me. It like is going back and forth. <laughs> I love Rose Tico's theme and her suite. I think it is so good. I love all of the music in The Last Jedi. But for me, if I'm comparing it to every single other one that we're talking about, this one feels so chaotic. And I don't love that. I think that the other ones feel very distinct about how we're supposed to feel when we're walking out of the theater. With The Last Jedi... Maybe this, I, when I walked out of the theater of The Last Jedi the first time, I remember us, we were so floored. We were so shocked. We like had a lot to process. And I guess that might have played sort of into the end credit theme. I mean, who's to say? But I, I feel like maybe you're supposed to feel like that after the darker middle chapter anyway. I don't necessarily think this is a slight of the movie itself, but it's just not my fave. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree with you. It is, it's a lot going on. And I'm honestly kind of surprised at how many themes are put into this end credit suite. It doesn't feel like a Ryan move. I feel like Ryan was like, just go for it, John. Like, I'm not going to give you any notes. Just like, go for it. I don't know. That still doesn't even feel like Ryan to me, even thinking about his relationship with John Williams. It's just, it's it's surprising, honestly. I think that- Just for someone with such a clear vision about everything, like that's how everyone always describes Ryan Johnson as clearest vision possible. So it's just not really expressed that clear in this. So I don't know what happened. I don't even know if it's what happened. It's just not to my taste, right? Yeah, it's very, it does feel very action heavy a lot of the time. But I think the beginning with Rosico's suite, Rosico's suite is- so good. It's definitely one of my favorite uh, pieces of Star Wars music, especially from the sequel trilogy. It is so pure and such a testament. It, it's like this synergy between Rose Tico's suite and how Ryan wrote her as a character, I think is so perfect. And 
akin to like Ray and Ray's theme and how they work together for that character. I, of course, again, I feel this way about all of Star Wars music, but these two particularly stand out for me personally. Rosico Sweet has always been a, a favorite. Um, and I think that, you know, I said in The Force Awakens that the cut between Ray's theme and like the next piece of music was really stark. But in The Last Jedi end credits, the tying together of Princess Leia's theme into the Octo Island suite is so well done. The way that they end Princess Leia in loving memory of our Princess Carrie Fisher and then move into the rest of the credits, I think is really well done and something that stood out to me about uh, this selection of music. It does feel like The Last Jedi and then The Rise of Skywalker that we'll talk about next have the most music in their end credits. It's also important to note that they're the longest because yeah. there's more people included. Yeah. So that's something that is, to note as well. I, I don't think we've talked about. Yeah, that is, of course, a good consideration to include that there's just more music that literally has to be included. <laughs> but yeah, I, this one definitely, to be honest, I don't think I had really thought about The Last Jedi and credits. And it was a surprise to kind of see how much really is included in there. But I think my favorite piece is definitely Rose Tico's suite at the very beginning. I think it's a great way to enter into the end credits, especially because the end of the film, the, the coda of that film is with the kids talking about Luke Skywalker and having Rose's ring and the hope that they feel for the future. So it makes a lot of sense to have Rose Tico's suite be the first thing after, you know, the, the traditional end credits suite. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I just need to say just for the sake of it all is I love The Last Jedi with all my heart. It's just I feel like I have to critique this, <laughs> this end credit theme. I don't know. It feels bad to say. It doesn't feel great. So, um, But okay. yeah, I'm with you. Okay. I think that the way that they that they weave in Princess Leia's theme here, great. Perfect. And Rose Tico's theme in her suite is so perfect. So it's great. It's very reminiscent of some other themes, um, not within Star Wars, other musical pieces I don't have off the top of my head. But it's worth a deep dive if you want to look into that. All right. And now we've made it to the very end of the Skywalker saga with the rise of Skywalker. And so uh, in this film, we have the end credits, Farewell, the Imperial March, uh, a bit of a new version of Ray's theme, uh, the track We Go Together. And then it kind of replays the opening credits one last time, the opening from A New Hope, and then back to the end credits, Rebel Fanfare and the Force theme. So this one too, I felt like had a lot going on and um, it was interesting kind of skipping all the way through to the end of The Rise of Skywalker and having to honestly rewatch the very end of it with Rey on Tatooine, which is definitely not my favorite part of the movie. I think the selection of music in the end credits for The Rise of Skywalker makes a lot of sense. And, you know, something like having the Imperial March, of course, it, it works with Palpatine's role in the film. And I think you had talked about this earlier about the context of The Rise of Skywalker and Revenge of the Sith being the final films and uh john williams perhaps thinking of them more of like a swan song for these end credits and something like this that leaving uh ending on the rebel fanfare and the force theme i think that is that's how you end these films the the very last notes to have it as the force theme is i think the perfect ending and so for that i think that the rise of skywalker you know, compared to The Last Jedi, I actually prefer The Rise of Skywalker and credits. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> 
It's wild. I think it's really funny to say that. Um, but I think one note is it replaced the opening credits of A New Hope and the Star Destroyer beginning and things like that in The Rise of Skywalker and credits, which I actually think is a great choice. I don't think I would have thought it was a great choice if we didn't already have what happened in the end credits of Revenge of the Sith. But because we have these two things together, these two swan songs, it's interesting to compare them because I think that the Rise of Skywalker's end credits actually might have done a better job of honoring the new themes that were written for the sequel trilogy while also weaving in some older ones. Like there's more new themes included in, in this end credits than there were in the Revenge of the Sith credits, which only really included Battle of the Heroes as a new theme, right? So we have in this one, we have Farewell, which is a new theme for The Rise of Skywalker. We have a new version of Ray's theme. We have We to Go Together, which I actually think is a great theme as well. Um, it's funny for me to say this because I remember walking out of The Rise of Skywalker and existing in a lot of different emotions and feelings, but thinking that the score like didn't hit like it usually does. And I don't agree with that statement actually when I hear just the end credit suite. And I I think it I think they did a really good job. And again, if I'm going with the emotions that I'm supposed to be walking out of the theater with, I think they kind of nailed it. They wanted to make us think about all the movies that came before, all the classics, the Imperial March, the Force theme, and then also remind us of like how far we came with the characters that were introduced in The Force Awakens with We Go Together, with Farewell, with Ray's theme. I think all of that is great. So I don't know. I, I, I'm surprising myself every single day, guys. <laughs> You know, I think honestly, because I'd had the same feelings about as you about walking out of The Rise of Skywalker and, you know, being overwhelmed by the film itself, but also not feeling like the music had hit me over the head, especially compared to The Force Awakens, when for me, the music really had hit me over the head in The Force Awakens from the very first time I watched it. And I think that one of the unfortunate side effects for me personally and my feelings about this film is that I really haven't listened to the music that much like going through these I was like you know I really don't know like farewell and we go together that way like when I said I earlier had to, I had to do some research yeah so. when I said earlier <laughs> the, you know in the original trilogy that in a lot of ways I go on like autopilot with some of these films my brain does it didn't feel that way for the rise of Skywalker and that is of course a commentary on me and you know my opinion about the film but yeah I think that it's to pick these themes too, specifically, uh, even like thinking about their names of Farewell and We Go Together and then Rebel Fanfare and the Force theme, I think they're good choices, honestly. And um, I think that, yeah, comparatively, I think it does a good job compared to The Last Jedi. I think I like this story that this music is telling in these end credits. Me too. Me too. Okay. There's also, just want to recommend, there is a really good digital extra I think is what it's called called the maestro's finale about John Williams's last scoring of the rise of Skywalker it's really good there's actually a pretty good discussion about Kylo Ren's theme transforming into Ben Solo's theme from Ren to Ben is what uh John Williams actually says that first so I think that is is interesting and um also, it casts JJ in like a pretty good light about questioning a lot of the nostalgia based um choices in the music and I thought that was interesting too because he he was really questioning it and John Williams pushed for some of that which I think is quite fascinating and then also I like this reversal of 
Kylo Ren's theme, I wish that that was included in the end credits. I think that would have been great. But um, that documentary or that little short is worth it. It's on YouTube. It's also mm-hmm. on Disney+. Plus, So I recommend it. it. It did make me shed a few tears thinking about how this is the last time John Williams will score a Star Wars movie, even though we know he did create some themes for, say, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was great. So anyway, um, Caitlin, anything else to say about the sequels? I think that... I really like this sequel music, but I got to say, I think that their end credits are not my favorite out of the bunch. I think like Force Awakens is my favorite out of the sequel trilogy, but overall, I got to hand it to the prequels. The music in the end credits of the prequels, I think, takes the cake for me overall. Totally. Me too. Me too. Is that Which one is your favorite? I think I just love the Phantom Menace one. I think it's so yeah. good. And I feel like if I had seen that movie in 1999, I would have been like, guys, Jewel of the Fates, Anakin's theme, the breathing. Are we putting the, the pieces breathing. together? You gotta wait for the breathing. I, just, I would have been so – I mean, I'm obsessed with it now. I think it's so great. And I think – I think if I had watched it back then, I would have been all about it to the point where it would have been annoying. And I really like with Across the Stars, I really like the choice to just have Across the Stars. Uh, I think that's something I kind of wish we would have seen with The Last Jedi comparatively. And yeah, and Revenge of the Sith, I think is great. I think you make a really good point about like the Empire Strikes Back one is kind of perfect. And, you know, Parade of the Ewoks, like I said, is great too. They're all ultimately, again, this is all John Williams and it's all great. (laughs) But I think, I think if I'm going to rank and I don't like to rank films or, you know, things in Star Wars. Why don't you just give top three? Yeah, I'm going to give my top three from each trilogy so it's going to be the phantom menace then it's going to be empire strikes back and then it's going to be force awakens okay so for me it is revenge of the sith empire strikes back and the force awakens as well okay okay good so we pretty much track again as we usually do Uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that i really enjoyed this exercise it was fun just fast forwarding straight to the end credits sometimes i had to like go back a little bit or just watch the end of the movie but it really did, like I said in the beginning of the show, just give me a lot of energy. And I love that. I think that that's what the end credits actually should do. It should be inspiring as well. Like you look through, the act of looking through credits also in itself is is inspiring in a lot of ways, especially for people who love movies and love film and want to understand how they're made. I think that we didn't really talk about that enough because we're really focusing on the music itself. But I think it all plays together in one cohesive part where there is a sense of you want to be inspired at the end of all of these Star Wars movies. It is the hopeful piece that keeps us coming back. And I feel that also when I read a ton of these names who created the thing I love, like it's so special. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I think all of these did a great job. Even even the last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> what what will bring the last Jedi out of the doldrums a little bit here is worth mentioning uh, that Ryan Johnson really pushed to have a score only version of the film. So I think absolutely, and that is so good. Yeah. So if you haven't watched that before, you definitely should because it's excellent. And that was something I know that he talked a lot about being really excited to have uh, in regards to the music and John Williams's work on The Last Jedi. Well, it goes back to George Lucas's comment about the silent Star Wars mm-hmm. should exist as a silent movie. Like yeah. that's, that's Ryan honoring George Lucas there and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Also, just one more note. Um, when you watch only the end credits, you notice the 
insane font discrepancies between all of the movies. Did this drive you as insane as it did for me? No, I had already seen your note on it, so I knew to expect it. So I was just kind of laughing. (laughs) It's actually like we're talking about Ariel. We're talking about like bold versus not bold. Things are squished. Things are elongated. <laughs> the kerning. I was like, "This is crazy." <laughs> what? I'm I'm losing my mind. There's no unified situation happening. Here. This is like the one crawl. The crawls were like that too, and especially the one that has three dots and not four dots. That drives me crazy. But the crawl is a little bit clearer than it is for the credits, which I think are wildly varied. It's the blue font, but it's not. <laughs> but it's the not. same font. It's a blue color, not the same font. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> So funny. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that I think that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for coming along on this. Like I said, it's kind of us dipping our toes into talking about music. So it does feel a little uh, a bit out of our area of expertise, very much outside our area of expertise. So I hope we did it justice and encouraged you to go and listen to some Star Wars music. So thank you guys for joining us. Uh, if you want to talk music with us, actually, if you want to talk Star Wars with us, not explicitly music, because there's only so much we can offer in that conversation. But if you want to talk to us about Star Wars, you can find us online on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod or our personal handles. Charlotte's is at Crarity and mine is at Caitlin Flusher. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com, our TikTok, our Facebook, our Instagram, all good places to find us. And if you haven't left us a review yet on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would really love it if you took a couple seconds to go and do that as it helps other people find our show. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our different reward tiers there. Yes, I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Hunter, Allison, Timothy, Ashley, Josh, Miss Art, Rebuild, Eunice, Debo, Marty, Jacqueline, John, Ian, Lakshana, Thomas, Daniel, Bridget, Brad, Jackson, Amber, Raphael, Joey, and Kimberly. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.